Good afternoon. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Joey. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm a recovering addict and the grateful creator and host of this podcast. Take a deep breath. Settle in. This space is for you. Hi, everyone. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Today's episode um, is the first in a uh, series of episodes that I'm going to be working on during um, this Advent season. We are already into our second week of Advent. Um, those of you who are Christians or former Christians listening to this may have some familiarity with Advent in the Christian spiritual traditions, particularly the historical, liturgical, sacramental traditions. <clears throat> so that would be Roman Catholicism, uh, Eastern Orthodoxy, uh, Lutheran, Anglican, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, and some Methodists, and uh, the United Church of Christ. There is um, a, a cycle that is used uh, called the lectionary. The lectionary is essentially the church calendar. And there are certain scriptural readings that um, come with each season in the cycle. So uh, this season that we're currently in, in, on the church calendar, on the global Christian calendar, is called Advent. It's the weeks leading up to, after Thanksgiving, leading up to Christmas. So while many Americans would say we are in the Christmas season, uh, many uh, folks who are bound to liturgical and sacramental Christian traditions uh, would say that we are in the Advent season. Christmas se The Christmas season on the church calendar is literally 12 days. This is where we get the 12 days of Christmas carol. <clears throat> During the season of Advent, we're going I'm going to feature a few episodes here on Earthmakers about Christianity. So I have uh, been doing some work on comparative religion. I've been doing it for several years, and I'm going to, uh, over the next several episodes, introduce different spiritual traditions from different religions and different cultures and break down ways in which those spiritual traditions can benefit us and the ways in which those spiritual traditions have impacted and benefited me as a spiritual practitioner. <laughs> so today we're talking about Christianity. This is uh, on Christianity part one. And uh, today we're going to talk about the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, which is sort of the the uh, centerpiece of Christian spiritual tradition, belief, and practice. 
First, I want to start with a check-in about the 100 Days of Meditation Challenge. Uh, today would have been day seven for me, uh, but was day six, because yesterday I wasn't feeling very well, and so I gave my body a break. It is mindfulness. It is good spiritual care. If your body's telling you that it doesn't want to meditate um, because it doesn't feel well, maybe take a break from meditating. It's okay. So today is day six. And today, uh, I was meditating and afterwards read some of Josh Corda's book, Unsubscribe, in which he says um, that there are some key things that are needed for the, uh, I guess, significant spiritual transformation, he calls it. Without, he says, without authentic priorities, secure relationships, and truly honest vulnerability, significant spiritual transformation cannot occur. That's pretty uh, important. Authenticity is important, right? Um, All three of these things are incredibly important. So meditation helps us connect with these things. My encouragement is that you continue to meditate. And now on to today's topic. I get asked frequently, Joey, are you a Christian? And I can't answer that question very well. <laughs> uh, not anymore, anyways. I used to be able to. Uh, but here's the thing. you do, If somebody asks you what your spiritual tradition is, you don't owe anybody an answer. You don't. Not at all. Ever. Uh, I, however, think, believe that I do owe people an answer. Why? Because for many years... I have served as a leader in Christian spiritual communities, as a spiritual leader, as a pastor, as a theologian in Christian spiritual traditions. And uh, I am a Christian, I am a spiritual public figure, a spiritual teacher and counselor. Um, So yeah, I, I do owe people a bit of an explanation. It's also appropriate for me to say, I don't know, Um, which people in our culture typically don't expect from a spiritual leader to say, I don't know, when asked about what they believe or don't believe. Some days I don't know. I'm able to be pretty honest with you as an Earthmaker's audience about where I am with spirituality. When people ask me, are you a Christian, these days my response to them is, well, what do you mean by Christian? Because it means different things to different people. 
After my spiritual deconstruction, there are certain things that changed, shifted dramatically for me in how I believe and in how I practice. And those of you who have been listening to the podcast for some time know that belief is not necessarily, uh, I, th- I think, is not necessarily the highest good for people who engage with spirituality. Belief is almost always, in our culture, uplifted as the standard, as the goal, as the beginning and the end. But belief is, as you know, overrated (laughs) in certain ways, right? Well, I want to talk to you about one particular thing today that has kept me uh, a Christian. So am I a Christian? Uh, Kind of, yeah. (laughs) Uh, In the sense that I am still fascinated by and love Jesus of Nazareth, the one that would come to be known as the Christ. Um, I love the teachings of Jesus. I love the practices that Jesus teaches us. Um, I love the story of Jesus teaching people unconditional love, radical, offensive love. Um, I believe I am moved deeply by the ministry of Jesus. And it's a very, it's, it's a big part of who I am because I was raised in Christian community where faith was the most important thing. I studied Christianity, uh, Christian systematic theology and uh, biblical studies and biblical languages and practical ministry in college. And I went on to do very much the same in seminary. So, yeah, Christianity has just been a big part of me. Jesus has been a big part of me. I believe that Jesus is worth following and worth imitating. Jesus has made an apprentice of me. And I am grateful for that. But if you were to ask me today, is Jesus Christ the only incarnation of God? I would have to tell you that I do not believe that anymore. There was a time when I believed that, that Jesus was the only incarnation of God. And I simply don't believe that anymore. Okay. Now is a good time to pause and ask yourself what you believe, dear listeners. What do you believe about Jesus today? In this culture, that answer seems to matter. Was Jesus just a good teacher? A lot of people seem to think so. I've also heard the argument that Jesus was not just a good teacher, because if he was just a teacher, then he was a bad teacher. Why? 
because Jesus allows people to believe that he is God incarnate, God in the flesh, that he is the Son of God, quote. So that would make him either a liar or uh, mentally ill, or both. The truth is, there's a lot we don't know about Jesus, and sometimes the preached Christ of faith that we see in the Bible is different than the historical Jesus, an apocalyptic street preacher and rabble-rouser who was uh, charged with sedition and treason by the local government and was sentenced to execution for those for inciting rebellion. You probably have lots of of questions about what my journey has looked like, but that's not really the focus of today. Um, I love Jesus. I love the community that forms around faith in the Christian church. Um, I know Christian theology and Christian ministry and the, the Bible very well, and so I have an attachment to those things. Uh, I also um, love the sacraments. Uh, the belief that God enters into, the divine enters into ordinary things like bread and grape juice and uh, tap water that goes into the baptismal font. Uh, And it can enter into everyday things like flowers and your neighbor's dog and uh, a hug from a stranger, right? So God, I believe, today becomes incarnate in all kinds of forms. And that is how we experience this thing, this entity called the Christ. Richard Rohr says, the Christ is a cosmic reality, a cosmic divine reality that is made manifest, revealed in physical matter. Jesus happened to be one of the perfect sort of representations and incarnations of this thing we call the Christ. And then we sent this vessel of light, this great teacher who is one with God, whatever that means, to die to be brutally tortured and murdered, a homeless, naked rabbi and itinerant street preacher, stripped naked, beaten to death, nailed to a piece of wood. Yeah, right? And of course, Christians believe that three days later, Jesus comes back from the dead. This is what we celebrate around Easter season in April. 
But all of that, while interesting, does not, is not necessary for spiritual practice. It's also not necessary to believe every piece of the story that you read in the Bible, every piece that you were taught in your church, in order to follow Jesus. Jesus means different things to different people. I want to tell you a story. When I was in uh, college, my family of origin, my parents and siblings, were going through uh, hell on earth. Uh, there was just a lot of pain and suffering unfolding in my family in that season. And I was starting, and I was in college studying Christian theology and ministry <clears throat> and philosophy and started to doubt that this was the right fit for me. Why? Because I didn't know if I could believe in the God I had been taught to believe in anymore. A God who loved us and who, when we prayed for healing, healed us. When my mom's illness was getting worse and mental illness in my family was getting worse and addiction issues were coming problematic and lots of other sad, violent things happening in my family. And I just wanted to give up on the whole God thing. So I started researching theater programs that I was going to leave that college and move on to another one. And during that season, I was introduced to the writings of the theologian, the great theologian, Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a German theologian and a Bible scholar, scholar of the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures. He was a monk who was um, a theologian uh, in medieval theology. He um, was the one who began the movement toward reformation of the church and the church's understanding of grace, grace as being pivotal to the experience with God. So I went to study at a Lutheran seminary. I was a Lutheran clergy person for a brief season. And uh, so, and the reason I went to study <laughs> at a Lutheran seminary is because when I was suffering in my worst, most vulnerable, weak spot in college, I was introduced to Luther's writings and they gave me something invaluable. They gave me hope. Now, you've probably heard me say before that hope is overrated, and it, and it can be, certainly. It can also be a gift, depending on the context that you find yourself in. A lot of spirituality and spiritual practice and belief is contextual. So, in this context of suffering, I needed the writings of Luther. And in particular, Luther wrote a um, 
uh, a piece or, uh, yeah, a piece or a treatise called the Heidelberg Disputation, which came out in 1518. Or was it 1519? It was one of the two. <laughs> I don't remember. And in the Heidelberg Disputation, Martin Luther says that there are theologians of the cross and theologians of glory. In other words, people who see God in Christ and see Christ in the suffering neighbor. And people that see God only in victory and triumph and success. Luther, of course, was very bold and outspoken, um, often to his detriment, but sometimes in his favor. And he said uh, that theologians of glory, people that only look for the divine or God in the good, in the the lovely, in the easy, in the successful, in the triumphant, in the victorious, are not any kind of Christian at all. Luther says that because in the Christian story, God comes in the person of Jesus, a poor working class carpenter who uh, was rejected by the local rabbi, Um, even though he knew the Torah well. Uh, Rejected by the local rabbi, uh, lived homelessly among the poorest of the poor, among the marginalized lepers and sex workers and tax collectors, the hated people of the community, and told people to love them and then told people to love their enemies. He said really unpopular shit but it was unpopular shit that moved people. Why was it unpopular? Because it took the things we think we know about life in the moment, in the immediate, in the present, and turned all of it on its head. The kingdom of God, what the Buddha would call the Dharma, is upside down. When we look at the world around us, (laughs) when we look at the world around us, there's so much vying for power and who's correct and who's right and who's successful and who's victorious. And these are the things that the human heart, these are the matters the human heart concerns itself with. And Luther said, these are things that we should not be spending all of our energy on. Instead, we should be looking for God, looking for the divine, looking for spirituality, for the holy, for unconditional love, whatever you want to call it, the great cosmic energy of the universe, the great truth, the great dharma, the great brahman. We're looking for it in all the wrong places. The theology of the cross is essentially, in a nutshell, God, the divine, the higher power, shows up in the last place you and I would ever reasonably think to look. Right when I'm looking for God in meditation. Oh, this is the right way to do spirituality. Oh, I think I'll meditate. Meditation's great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know how much I love meditation. But meditation doesn't answer this question. Do I always need 
to be successful in my spirituality? Does spirituality indicate that I must always be doing things the right way? And so I'm here today to tell you as a spiritual counselor <laughs> that spirituality has nothing, with doing, has nothing to do with doing things the right way. Meditation will not save you. Prayer will not save you. The right amount of service will not save you. They're still going to suffer with pain and emotional relationship issues, and you're still going to suffer with mental illness and addiction issues, and you're still going to suffer with financial issues and communication issues with your spouse. You're still going to suffer with illness in your body. You're still going to suffer under the tyranny of corrupt leaders. The world is going to fucking burn to the ground. COVID is still going to be a reality no matter how much we fucking meditate or pray. I was always, as a child and as a teenager and then as a young adult and college-age adult, was always looking for God in places of success and ease. What the... uh, Minnesotan Lutheran theologian Gerhard Ferdi, may he rest in peace, called ladder theology. What Luther called a theology of glory. We are looking for God in triumphalism. This is how Donald Trump's America has worked. It is a it is a faux Christianity. It is a uh, a Christianity that only wants to embrace what my friend Dr. Colin Cornell calls uh, mocha latte suffering. <laughs> not, so not real suffering of any kind. Trump and his supporters say, because Trump is president, clearly God chose him because he won. Whereas the cross, the story of the cross of Jesus Christ, the reason people wear crosses around their neck and get crosses tattooed on their shoulders is because God was revealed in great suffering. And it was in the great suffering, the last place we would ever reasonably think to look, a smelly, crucified, homeless, naked rabbi that we experience saving, rescue, salvation, the Christians say. Salvation, the root of the word salvation is salve or salve. What is what does salve or salve do? Salve is an, is an ointment. An ointment does what? It helps us heal. It helps bind up that which is broken. Salvation is the ultimate healing. What the Buddhists might call nirvana or enlightenment or awakening. Nadia Boltz-Weber, the great... Uh, spiritual Lutheran spiritual teacher, so a Christian, says, the minute I draw a line in the sand, God is on the other side of it. The minute I draw a line between me and somebody else, God is on the other side of it. So here I stand believing I'm on the right side of history and saying, well, Donald Trump and his followers clearly are in the wrong. And while morally, ethically, I may be able to say 
point blank. Yes, of course they're in the wrong factually. Uh, it's almost as if I am bragging in my heart that God is on my side, that God chose me over and above Donald Trump and his supporters. But I have drawn a line. One of the reasons I continue to uh, stick with Christians, one of the reasons I continue to have some, only a few, not many, but some Christian beliefs is because of this thing that Martin Luther calls theology of the cross. It's because I believe that when people are at their weakest, when people are at their most wounded, when we feel the most alone and scared and open, gaping, bleeding wounds in our hearts, and in our minds and bodies is revealed the light of the divine. The light that never ends. Light perpetual, as it is called in the Christian church. Do you have to be a believer in God or in Jesus today? No, you can be an atheist and still benefit from this thought that that thing that we call the divine, that we call God, that we call a higher power, that thing that we call the source or unconditional love itself is revealed not in the places of power and success, but in the places of weakness and vulnerability and suffering. The last place most of humanity would ever think to look. And here's what the punchline, I like to say the punchline of spirituality is, everybody gets to play and everybody gets a seat at the table. That means even the suffering. And if we want to become well acquainted with spirituality in a way that it's going to uh, heal, in a way that it is going to change and transform, if we want to foster the strengthening of connection to the self, others, and a higher power, we have got to be willing to go to the dark places of suffering. That is the story of the cross of Jesus Christ. People have forgotten why they wear crosses. People have forgotten why we decorate Christian church buildings with crosses, with crucifixes. People have forgotten why they got that tattoo. Why? Because it's easier. It's easier to turn that which we don't understand into something that makes us feel powerful that makes us feel good, that makes us feel like we're on the rights, the winning, right, successful, triumphant, victorious side. But God does not give a fuck about whether or not you are victorious or right. God cares about loving you in suffering. And you and I suffer, do we not? So my friends today, look to the broken places, look to the places of suffering and darkness and heartache. 
I truly did not connect with the heart of Jesus of Nazareth, the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, the power of the cross of Jesus of Nazareth, until I was in addiction recovery. It was my addiction that drew me closer to the person of Jesus. I spent 10 or so years studying theology and ministry, and I couldn't have been further from the heart of the teacher, the rabbi of Jerusalem and Nazareth that we call Jesus Christ. I don't care if people walk around saying they believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, that people believe that Jesus is God incarnate. It doesn't matter if they believe that. If the teachings of Jesus are not impacting and transforming their lives. You may feel burnt out because you've experienced Christians who are uh, not very Christ-like, who acknowledge Brennan Manning, the, the great spiritual teacher who died in the late 90s, I believe, author of the Ragamuffin Gospel, a wonderful book, and a recovering alcoholic, said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Now, he makes atheism sound like a bad thing. I don't believe atheism is a bad thing. But I do believe that Christians, American Christians, are largely to blame for pushing people away from spirituality. And if you are a person who claims to be a Christian today and an apprentice of Jesus of Nazareth, I'm telling you now, it's time to stop pushing people away. Will you stop? Will you just stop pushing people away? Or else just admit it's hard to follow the teachings of Jesus because what he asked us to do is really hard. To love our enemies? Fuck that noise. That sounds really hard, stressful, challenging. If that's the case, if you cannot go to the places of suffering, then just admit it. Be honest. Own the fact that you're not actually a Christian. Or maybe pray the serenity prayer and ask your higher power to grant you the serenity to accept the things you cannot change, courage to change things you can, and wisdom to know the difference. Hand it over. Surrender. I haven't talked about Christianity in depth in a long time, and so this has been really rewarding and also exhausting. <laughs> Oh, fuck. I, I, it's just, this is not an easy topic for me anymore. I have a really long, painful history with Christianity. But I still see some gifts in there. And one of the gifts to me is the theology of the cross. Namely, that our higher power always shows up in the last place we would ever reasonably think to look. And that is very good news.
Do you feel alone today? Miserable, brokenhearted, hurting, depressed, anxious, addicted, stressed? Then that is where this thing we call God is. That's where God is. Let's stop looking in the easy places. Okay. Thank you. I love you. You are enough exactly as you are. Take good care of you today, and I'll see you on Wednesday.